This morning, we we find ourselves in Hebrews chapter 6. So if you have a copy of God's Word, turn to Hebrews chapter 6 with me. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 8. He's speaking on the topic, the threat of apostasy. We have a, a simple outline. The main point is that this is a word of warning. A word of warning to uh, those who profess to follow Christ. They attend church. Uh, they partake of the sacraments and all those different things. And yet they reject Christ. They come to a point where they reject Christ. So this is a word of warning. Uh, these are counterfeit Christians that we're going to look at in this passage. We'll see that they had privileges. Uh, we'll see their response to these privileges that they had. And then we'll see a parable which illustrates uh, illustrates these apostates in our text. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 8. This is God's word, God's living word, his active word that is sharper than any two-edged sword. Let us give attention, all of our attention to God's word. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 8. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt for the land that has drunk of uh, that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. This is God's word. Let's give heed to God's holy word. One of the challenges in the church that we face uh, is the fact that we will encounter, if you have not already, we will encounter those who profess to be believers. And they eventually abandon Christ. That that is a challenge that the, the church uh, face, has faced, will face uh, at all times. Those who profess to be believers, who 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 come in and 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 join with us, and eventually leave. When we think about such things, we think about Judas. Judas uh, is an example of the danger of of a false profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Judas was with Christ. Judas enjoyed all the privileges of being with Christ. And and, and yet the Lord knew that he would betray him. John 6 and 64 and 65, it says, but there, Jesus said, but there are some of you who do not believe. There were some who were following Jesus, but they didn't really believe in him. 
And he says, for Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe. These are false disciples. They're following Jesus Christ. They're following him wherever he go. They're sleeping where he lay his head. They're listening to his teach his teachings. These are false disciples. And then Jesus says, and who it was who would betray him. Jesus knew that Judas would betray him. Judas fooled the disciples. They they follow out Judas along with the the, the the disciples. They follow after Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus got to a point to where he said, one of you are going to betray me. And they was asking, who is it? Who is it? I is it? I? They didn't they didn't know that Judas was a was was a false believer. He was among he was numbered among the group. And he was a false believer. This is Matthew 26, verse verses 21 through 22. When Jesus goes on here in John, John 6 and 64 and 65, he says in verse 65, and he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the father. Remember back in verse three uh, of, of Hebrews chapter six, we, we read that uh, that the, the writer said, and this we will do talking about going on to to maturity in Christ. He said this and this we will do if God permits. It makes sense. It makes sense if God is sovereign. It makes sense that that God knows those who are true believers and false believers. It makes sense that we must depend upon God to to grow in 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 and mature in in the Christian life. It makes sense. That that is that it that it is ultimately up to God who who are who the, the elect are. But but going back to those who fall away, how can it happen? Hey, hey if you read this text, the question should come to mind. If if these are are, are those who, who are in the church, how can how can it be possible that they fall away? And the passage that we, we have before us shed light upon that reality. It sheds light upon this this difficult this this difficult uh, problem of those who are in the church that fall away. This this passage we have before us is a difficult passage. It, it is a, a controversial passage. Uh, it, it, this for for those who who approach this passage, who who teach that this passage is is a clear statement that Christians can fall away from the faith. And 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 thereby lose their salvation. Those those who 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 approach this passage and and and, and with with that with that philosophy, they 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 contend that what we read here is is experiences that describe someone who is a Christian. The Armenian. That this is an Armenian view and and their approach to this passage. They believe that that genuine Christians can lose their salvation. Uh, they, uh, th but the issue with this, and I'm, I'm going to talk about a couple of, of views uh, in which people have of this passage. This first view is the Arminian view, the Arminian view that believes that Christians can can lose their salvation. But the the issue with this, the issue with this view, is that uh, if if these are true believers, uh, and and they abandon their faith. We can say, according to this passage, because the, uh, the, uh, the writer says that 
the, whoever these are, they cannot be restored to repentance. So if these are, are true believers, then, then, then we got a problem. We got a problem with the rest of Scripture. Scripture teaches the, the perseverance of the saints. Uh, I believe that, and I, and I pray that, that you believe that, that once God saves you, you're saved. John 6 and 37 says, Jesus says, of, of all the people, says, all the people that the Father gives the Son will come to faith in him. That's, that's essentially what that passage is saying. All, Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, uh, he, God, who began a good work in you will finish that work. He will complete that work. So we have a uh, uh, he will he will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So we have a problem if we say that this passage refers to believers who can lose their salvation. Romans eight uh, says that nothing shall separate us from the love of God. We have a problem. If we can, if, if there's a point to where we can, we can be lost, that we can lose our salvation, then the scripture is not trustworthy. The, either, either the scripture, either we believe what, what the Bible says about, matter of fact, uh, in Romans chapter eight, listen to how Paul, uh, labels those who are Christians. Romans chapter eight, he says, Romans chapter eight, in verse 28, which is a familiar text, I'll start reading there. He says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now listen to, to how Paul describes uh, the work of God in, in the life of a believer. He says in verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, foreknew means that God uh, has uh, has set his, his his love upon those who are the elect. God God has and he has done that in eternity past. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Listen to what it, what what he says in verse thirty. And those these are believers. That, that Paul is talking about and those whom he predestined or predetermined beforehand to be conformed to the likeness of Christ. Listen to what he says for uh, and those whom he predestined, he also called and those whom he called, he also justified. And and those whom he justified, he also and notice the tense. This is a done deal. He also glorified. We we have a problem if we look at this text and we say that that believers can lose their salvation because the testimony of Scripture uh, does not does not gives us it does not give us that possibility. And and and, and like I said, the the problem is, is that the. The, the, this text in Hebrews 6 says that it's impossible. It's an impossibility to restore them to repentance. Those who, and they're talking about those who fall away. Those who in this text fall away, it's an impossible, it's impossible to restore them to repentance. So if a believer loses his salvation, according to this text, you're going to be lost forever. Once lost, always lost. That's what that's it, it, you would have to come to this conclusion if you approach 
this text with that theological lens, lens the Arminian view. You also have a view that sees this, uh, this text as those who are backsliders. Uh, but again, we have a problem because if these are backsliders, the text says it's impossible. It's impossible to restore them to repentance. Those who, who and, 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 and it's true that, that believers do backslide. They go, they, they go away from the Lord uh, for a time, but they don't remain there. True believers that may fall into sin, but eventually they will repent and return. They're, they're, uh, they're, they're never, they're never permanently backslid. They will return. And, and again, if, if this, this passage applies to a believer who is backslidden, it's impossible for them to return. They can't be restored. And so that there's a, there's the backslide view. There's the, there's the, uh, uh, the, uh, view that says this is hypothetical. This, this, this can't really, ha- this is a, this is hypothetical. Uh, this, this is not an actual or even possibility that, that, that this could happen to a believer. So this is hypothetical. Well, as one author noted, uh, he said that, that this is a, he said that it's a sanctifying what if. And what this, with this view, this passage is, and with the, with saying, with those who say this is a hypothetical, uh, view, uh, they, they, they view this passage as, as that which has the effect of drawing those back who have fallen away, uh, fallen away from Christ. But I don't think this is the view either. The, the, if you we read in Hebrews, and you you read the whole the whole uh, letter of Hebrews, you don't read anything that was hypothetical. What the writer writes in Hebrews is serious. It, it is it is a serious and if it's a warning, it's a serious warning. It is a true warning. It's not it's not hypothetical. So 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 this is this warning that we have here is not hypothetical. It, it is not a scare tactic. He's not trying to scare uh, those who who are who are who are true, who are believers. He's not trying to scare them. But but what he is making known is a real this is real. This is a real danger. This is a real danger in the church. This, this is a, a real warning of danger. And there's also this view of loss of re- rewards. Uh, there's, you know, they simply say that, that this passage is teaching uh, 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 about those who, who are believers who, who will eventually lose some heavenly reward. But my view of this passage is that this is, this, this passage describes a person who is apostate that that's that's my view of this this passage uh they are like the 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 illustration of the children of israel who who had all the the privileges of of following after after moses they had the privilege of of knowing the promises of god but yet they did not believe and 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 uh, that illustration points to to these these individuals who who are apostates, those who who were in in this this text points to those who were in every way, every way uh, associated with the church, 
and this may be shocking to you. They, they, these individuals were, were closely associated with the church and the Christian faith. So much so that, uh, that you would say, if you saw them, you would say that he or she is a believer. They were in the church. They enjoyed the, the, the many privileges of, of the Christian faith. They may even have taken a communion. They may have been even baptized. But, but, uh, but, but such people were, were never believers in Jesus Christ. That's the shock. And that's the point that the writer wants to get. He wants to, 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 he should, we should read this and be like, what? These are people who were associated with the Christian faith. And 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 it and it came a time when they abandoned Christ. They abandoned the Christian faith, and they never came back. And this is this is what this is what we're we're going to see in this text. So let's 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 turn our eyes to the text and and see a, a word. This this is a word of warning to to, and it's going to warn about counterfeit Christians. But look at verse verse four. It starts with four. For it explains why it's imperative that the readers go on to maturity. Uh, this is imperative that they go on to 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 maturity because in doing that they they'll uh, avoid uh, the the danger if they're true believers. If, if even if they're in this congregation, there's a, it's a mixed batch. You got believers and and you got you got unbelievers. And, and and to those who who are are are, are not true believers in Christ, uh, if they want to avoid this danger of a, of apostasy, they must come to faith in Christ, persevere in faith in Christ. Uh, they must uh, uh, allow uh, God to to produce good works in them, and to to bring them to maturity. So it's imperative that the readers. Pro, uh, progress in the faith because if they don't, they may not be saved. <laughs> they 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 may not be saved. For it is, he says, impossible. What does impossible mean? Impossible. That, that's that's what it means. It, it, it is impossible in the case of those. Uh, now now here we we're getting ready to see that the writer is speaking of, uh, of, a, of a particular group of people. He, he's referring to, to a, a particular group of people that he labels those. Now, notice uh, that in verse 6 as well, he says here in, in verse 1, he says impossible in the case of those. Look down at verse 6. And and he says, and then have fallen away to restore them. He's speaking about a particular group of people. These people are apostates who have fallen, who have already fallen away. You you you. We're talking about the the tense of the verbs here. He's speaking to a, a class of people who who have already fallen away from Christ and left the church. It is a, a class of people who it is impossible to restore them to, to repentance. Similar to 1 John chapter 2, verse 19, 
You, this is a familiar text. Listen to the text. It says they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be become plain that they all are not of us. First John chapter two, verse 19. The, this is a, a similar group of people who who the, the, the author says these are these are those. Uh, the, the, these are those. The, these were never these were, these were never true believers. And 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 this notice that the in in verse number three, go back to verse number three, and notice we we talked about this that the author he includes himself with the audience. He says, "And this we will do if if God permits." This this, this is a different group of people. The writer is writing to one group, and here in our passage, he is talking about uh, another group. And look at uh, verse number nine, where he says, this we speak in this way in your case. Beloved, we feel sure of better things that be, that better things, uh, things that belong to salvation. He this is this is the the. The, the the readers that he's he's writing look down at verse 11 and we desire each of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end he's writing to uh, the, he's writing to a different audience uh that he is talking about here in our passage so this is a different this is a this is a different group of people this is the those this is the those that he's writing to and and he's writing to the the you or, or the your, uh, which is his readers, and, and and so if this is the case, why why the warning? If he's writing to to believers, why why the why the warning? Well, the author doesn't know who in the church is true believers. He doesn't know who are the true believers, so he gives the warning to everybody. It's like sitting here. I have no idea who all in this church are true believers. Only God knows that. God knows your heart. I've been in a church where uh, you had a guy who was reformed, wore a suit like I got on, were going through classes and things like that, and he left the church. He had to be disciplined by the church. Uh, Steve Lawson told of a uh, when at his church he was preaching the gospel and he said he had a deacon in his church who was never saved. He came to faith in Jesus Christ. So, so the author in writing this and in addressing the you, he, he he doesn't he doesn't know who who all the true believers are. He just gives a warning to all. When 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 the and, and this is so when when the elect those who are true believers hear the warnings in scripture it causes them to persevere true believers i said this before they hear these warnings and they persevere but when the non-elect hear these warnings guess what happens to them their heart hardens they their heart hardens over time and they fall away completely, revealing that they never trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation. Robert Martin, uh, he, he confirms this. He says, Robert Martin remarks, he says, quote, 
although he later asserts his confidence that they are not those who draw back to perdition, Hebrews 10 and 39, although he is confident of better things, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9, he says he does not regard himself as an infallible interpreter of their hearts or case. <laughs> he 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 said he doesn't the, the author doesn't regard himself as an infallible interpreter of their hearts. He recognizes that a confession may be on the lips when the heart is far from Christ. And and that spiritual sloth is a sign that this may be the real condition of some to whom he writes. Thus, as a faithful physician of, the, of souls, he warns them of a dangerous sin and of the uh, ir irrecoverable state of those who fall into it. And he says one of the obvious lessons is that spiritual sloth may be the first step toward ruin. Spiritual slothfulness. Spiritual laziness may be the first step toward ruin. So he's he's writing and, and, and pointing to a special group of people in order to warn these believers. And he points to the to the privileges. These, these kind of these are counterfeit Christians that he's writing about. And they had they had privileges. Notice that each one of the phrases. In verses four and five describes a person that has been has they, they have been so close to the Christian faith. They, they've been so close. And, and, and that's and, and again, that's the point that the writer is making these that these that there are those who have been so close to the Christian faith. They seem to be believers. And, and notice in, in verses four and five that the, the verbs are past tense. These are past tense verbs in each of the phrases and in and, and, and this past tense, these past tense verbs, they point to the fact that at one time, these 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 uh, these people had experienced temporal and external benefits of being in the church. And, and, and which by the time the author is writing this letter, uh, it, it doesn't continue to be. It doesn't appear to be the same doesn't continue to be uh, in their lives. So these are past tense verbs pointing to uh, something that happened at one time that that is no longer happening. And 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 also before we get to the text, we 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 won't mint, we won't see in here a mention of faith in Christ or being born again or being regenerated. You won't read that in this section either. Samuel uh, uh, read it. He he wrote this quote, but no one. Uh, but he says, but not one of the expressions talking about these phrases that we're getting ready to encounter. He said, he said, not one of these expressions in this passage speaks of life, uh, of the life of the soul. He says they all speak of outward privileges of Christianity, into which these Hebrew professors have uh, had been introduced end quote so I, I say all this to say that these that that we're getting ready to to read about are apostates who never knew the truth uh, as you were who apostates who knew the truth and was never saved 
And so, again, let's, let's go back. He says, uh, he says, for it is, is impossible in the case of those who have been, who, who have once been enlightened. They, they were once enlightened. At one time, they received the knowledge of God's truth. Again, these are people who were sitting under the preaching and teaching in the church. They were intellectually enlightened concerning the truth about Christ and salvation. What they heard, they were convinced that it was true. But the point we have to make here is that even though one is enlightened by the truth, does not mean that they're saved. Remember, I told you about the gentleman that was in Korea with me. Uh, we 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 uh, told, uh, proclaimed the gospel to him. He started. He said that he believed. He started. He was. He went to church with us. He sang. He read the Bible. He looked like a believer, but then he fell away. He 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 fell away. He he. He he heard the truth and it sounded like it sounded good to him. And he probably believed it. But his heart wasn't changed. He was enlightened. So enlightenment doesn't here is not talking about uh, enlightenment that 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 regenerates. It's enlightenment where a person they 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 can understand the truth. They can rehearse. They can tell you tell you back. They they're sitting in the church. They're hearing the teaching. But this doesn't mean salvation. Turn to Second Peter chapter two. Second Peter chapter two. Second Peter chapter two. Verse twenty. Now read down to verse twenty-two. Second Peter chapter two, verse number twenty through twenty-two. For if they, for if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge, through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They are again entangled in them and overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness. Notice it says, no, not believe. He says, for it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. He says, verse 22, what the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to his own vomit and the sow after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. These are people who profess to be, be believers, but were not. These people had head knowledge, but that head knowledge didn't find its way into their heart. Judas was enlightened. Judas was convinced that it was good to follow Jesus Christ. He was enlightened, but he never committed himself to Christ. And this is 
what these people are. They were once enlightened by the truth. And 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 these people, these what another good example of these type of people, turn to Matthew 13. Matthew 13, verses 20 through 22. These are uh, these these represent the second and third soils in the parable of the soils. Matthew thirteen verse twenty through twenty two. As as for what was sown, and Jesus explaining the parable, and what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word. Notice what it, what he says. There's one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. For a while he received the word with joy and he endures for a while. He says, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown on among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. This, these are, this is a description of those whom we're reading about in our text. They perhaps received the word with joy, but that word did not find its way to their heart to produce fruit in their lives. Persecution came and these, these, these believers are, are being persecuted. Persecution came and, 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 and their true colors are revealed. And that's what troubles do. Troubles and trials and tribulations in life, they expose whether you're a true believer or not. They, they come into your life and, and, and if you're a true believer, you may struggle you may fail, but you will turn to Christ and run to him. But those who are not true believers, a little trouble coming to that's what happened to that, that brother in Korea. He started having problems in his marriage and he turned away. He, 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 he turned away from Christ. He cussed me out. I told you about that. He cussed me out on the phone. So, so doesn't, doesn't, and 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 I, and I have to say this too. When we preach and teach the word, we're not here to to enlighten your mind. We're when we preach and teach the word, we preach and teach the word to change your life. That's why we we, we don't come here to entertain. We don't come here to 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 to, to entertain. We we come we preach the word because the word gives life. It, it changes your life. It produces fruit in your life. So these individuals, they were once in light. They, they, they sat under, under the gospel, under the teaching of the gospel and the teaching in the church. And they, they, they participated in the Christian community. Notice what the writer goes on and says. He says, who have tasted the heavenly gift. This, this heavenly gift here uh, could, could refer, and I believe it refers to Jesus Christ. Uh, they, they've tasted uh, Christ, the, the heavenly gift who have come down from above. And, and, we're, and again, we can look at Judas. Judas tasted Christ. He, he followed Christ. 
he was with Christ and, and yet he rejected Christ. And, and so it's, it's these 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 tasted who tasted the heavenly gift. And this, what this helps us to see is that it's not enough to taste Christ, children. It's, it's not. It's, and, 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 and I think this this passage, children, pay pay attention to this because you can't live off your parents salvation. You, whether you're a preacher's kid, a deacon's kid, doesn't matter. You, you cannot live off your parents' salvation just because you go to church with your parents, just because you, you read the Bible with your parents. That does not guarantee your salvation. What guarantees salvation is that you respond to the gospel and you, 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 you turn to Christ and you repent of your sins. And, and 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 you run to him and you grasp him and you never let go of him that guarantees your salvation when the church and, and 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 you're hearing and it makes sense that doesn't guarantee it you taste christ and 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 and, and what you 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 taste is, is good that that doesn't guarantee it You taste them and you take them in. You and 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 you 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 Jesus says those who 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 eat my flesh and drink my blood. It is those who believe. So what what, what Jesus is saying is that you take all that Christ is, all that that He has done, and you take it into your life, and and it and it moves from your head down into your heart, and it changes you. That is what what is required for salvation. These people here, they tasted the heavenly gift. They, 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 they joined the, the people in the church who were worshiping, praying, singing, fellowshipping. And, and as I said earlier, perhaps they even they, these individuals took part in communion. But that didn't mean they were saved. This, this wasn't saving faith. This was temporary. This was external. This was a temporary external tasting of Christ, the heavenly gift. This is taste. It's not internal. Nothing is internal about what is taking place here and have shared in the Holy Spirit. Again, this doesn't mean that they're saved. Shared here says it doesn't it doesn't say that they were indwelt. By the Holy Spirit. That's that's not what it says here, right? Have shared doesn't mean that they were indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean that they were regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Uh, 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 what, what I think it means is is this: John sixteen and eight says, "When He comes, He will con- convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment." This is the this, this is possibly pointing to the work of that they, they experienced the, the work of the Holy Spirit that came short of salvation. They, they, they experienced the work of the Holy Spirit. He, he perhaps they they were would hear uh, reading in, in the scripture. Perhaps they heard that committing adultery were wrong and 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 they understood that and they were were convinced by that. That's that that is the the work of the Holy Spirit. But 
that that is that that work is 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 stopped short of salvation. It doesn't go all the way to salvation. There's a lot of people who come into church. There's people I've seen that'll be like, "Oh man, oh man, oh man that that was that was rough." Oh, I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. And then they go back out and do exactly that which they were convicted they shouldn't be doing. So the Holy Spirit can, can in a sense, uh, uh, expose uh, sinfulness in the, in the lives of people. But it doesn't necessarily mean that, it's, that it, it is the work of, of salvation. And you, you probably know people who, who know certain things from the Bible. Uh, that that they know certain things in the Bible that they do in their lives is wrong, and yet they still live, they still live uh, the way that they want to live, and and so the, this, this work of the Holy Spirit uh, perhaps con- convinced them that 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 uh, showed them that they, they were sin in their life, showed them that that Christ is is righteous and that judgment is coming. Perhaps it, it, it he revealed to them. Uh, everything they need to know to come to Christ and to trust Christ. Like Judas. This is not hard to believe. Judas, uh, Judas heard Jesus Christ condemning the scribes and the Pharisees. He heard Jesus teaching uh, over and over again. The Holy Spirit uh, uh, doing this work and, 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 and he didn't respond. Turn, turn, turn to uh, this. This is a good passage about you. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. To show you Judas fit this description. Matthew chapter 10. Verse The title in my Bible is the 12 apostles. And he called to him. This is Jesus. And called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. Listen to the names of the disciples. The names of the 12 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, Philip, uh, Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus uh, uh, and, and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot. See who's last on the list. Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. <laughs> Judas was a part of the group who uh, Jesus gave authority to uh, cast out unclean spirits, to cast them out, and to heal every disease and every affliction. Sounds like Matthew chapter 7, don't it? Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven, who is what is the will of the father is to believe in the son. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name 
and do many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. These are people who have shared in the Holy Spirit. Judah shared in the Holy Spirit. But he was the son of perdition. From the beginning. And notice verse five and tasted the goodness of the word of God. Simon Kissenmarker said he observed this. He says, quote, when <laughs> these are talking about these who have tasted the goodness of, of the word of God, he says, quote, when God speaks, man receives a good gift. <laughs> man receives a good gift through the preaching of, of the word. These uh, these people have come to see the, the 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 relevance, the practical relevance of the scriptures and have comprehended something of it. Uh, eternal blessings in Christ as well as divine judgment to come. However, these people, they heard the word enthusiastically. They, they heard the, the gospel and they were lost. They, they've tasted the goodness of the word of God, but they didn't drink it in. In Matthew 6 and 20, Herod, he, he, he wanted to hear John preach. <laughs> He in Matthew 6 and 20, Herod, he said he feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed. And yet he heard him gladly. <laughs> Herod, he wasn't saved, but but he, he tasted the goodness of the word of God. He, he heard the preaching uh, of John. And, and notice it says, and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come. These individuals may have experienced the miracles, the signs, the wonders that was a part of, of the work of God in the days of the early church. But, but again, this doesn't, doesn't guarantee salvation. John 6, verse 26, Jesus said to those who were following him, uh, after he fed them, he said, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the ate of the loaves and were filled. They 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 saw Christ and 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 the, the fact that he, he had power uh, over nature, he had power to feed them. They, they tasted of the powers of the age to come. So so what does this teach us? This, this teaches us that that people can be enlightened. They they could have tasted and shared and, and partake uh, in the things of, of, of the church. They may be externally a part of the church. They may come to church and receive the, the external blessings. And, and yet, if they abandon Christ, they're not saved. That's, this is what we learn. So. So not only the privileges, look, look at their response. Notice how they respond to these privileges. Verse six, and they have fallen away. To fall away is an open, deliberate, permanent rejection of Christ and his work. That's what it means to fall away. Uh, a permanent rejection of Christ and his work. They turn away from Christ. The, the threat uh, with these believers is to turn away from Christ and to turn back to the mosaic system of animal sacrifices 
And and the writer is saying there were people who did this and, and were showed that they were unregenerate. And this, this is apostasy to turn to 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 turn away from Christ, to turn one's back on Christ completely and permanently. And the writer says it is impossible for those who fall away to restore them again to repentance. Apostasy uh, is is irreversible. God has done everything he needs to do. To these individuals who is a part of a congregation, there is nothing left to be done for them. They, they've seen it all. They, they've heard it all. They heard the preaching. They heard the teaching. They've seen the work of the Holy Spirit. There, so, so there is nothing left to be done for them. And so the writer says it's impossible to renew again to repentance. Those who, who've been enlightened, who've tasted the heavenly gift, who, and, and they've fallen away. Notice what he says, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him to contempt. Crucify again and holding him up to contempt or they, they're putting Christ to open shame. Indicate why it's impossible to, for, these, for such people to re- repent. You, you can't restore them to, to repentance because they reject Christ. They, they reject Christ. They turn their back on Christ. They have no desire for Christ anymore. At one time they did, but they no longer have a desire for him. Nor do they have the ability to return to him. They left Christ. They've turned their back on Christ and gone back to the temple sacrifices. People today leave Christ and go back to their old way of living. Go back to, 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 to living like they used to. And in doing this, the writer said they they have joined with those who crucified Christ. Turning back to Judaism is a is a deliberate final forsaking of Jesus Christ. What they what they have said is that Jesus Christ is not sufficient. And so we can learn from this trusting in anything except Christ alone is equal to disgrace him publicly. And turning back on Christ, you turn away from him and say, oh, that, that church stuff, all oh, that stuff following Christ, I don't believe in all of that. You, go to, you turn your back on Christ and you go and become a Muslim. You turn your back on Christ and you become a Jehovah's Witness. You turn your back on Christ, you become a Muslim. You turn your back on Christ, you go back to the world. What you're doing is disgrace. If you've heard the truth, if you sat in the church and you heard the truth, you're disgracing Christ. You really show that that his once and for all sacrifice is insufficient. What what you're really showing is that you have an evil, unbelieving heart. That's, That's what that shows. And it, and so notice the parable. What follows is an illustration of fruitfulness. Because this is what the author is after, fruitfulness. 
And he, this is an illustration of fruitfulness and fruitlessness. Look at verse 7. For the land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. Notice here it says the good ground is this soil had the privilege of receiving rain from it. And what was the response? Fruitfulness. This 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 soil, good soil had had it, it received the rain of God and, and it produced the fruit. And what was the result? Blessed by God. It, was, it received received a blessing from God. Matthew 13, verse 23. And similar to this. What was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it and indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold and another 60 and in another 30. This is fruitful soil. But look at verse eight. It, to receive the rain, to, to receive the, the rain that, that falls on it, he says in verse eight, but if it, it bears thorns and thistles. It is worthless and near to being cursed and is and its end is to be burned up. They had the same privilege. They had the rain. But the response was thorns and thistles. And how did God respond? It was cursed by God. And so the point the author is making is that that. Uh, if the if the land soaks up the rain, it's supposed to produce fruit. If you're in a church and you hear the word being preached, you hear the word being taught. That word is supposed to produce fruit. If you're a believer, it produces fruit. If you're an unbeliever, it does not produce fruit. So if 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 the the land or the, soaks up the rain, and and it and it bears thorns and thistles, what good? I mean, I grew up working the field. Uh, my dad he had a he had a field that he planted all kind of crops in, and sometimes I would have to go out there and 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 we call hold a hold a grass. You got a little hole and you hold a grass and you get all the the thorns and the, the all that kind of stuff out of there. But if that field was supposed to produce, we planted corn and collard greens and all that, if it supposed to, it was supposed to produce that, and I went out there and we found thorns, and those thorns hurt too. You get thorns and, 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 and thistles and things like that, that land, that's useless. That, that was a useless, that was a useless uh, crop. It was useless because it didn't produce that which we desired of it. And it's the same with the word of God. The, this, when you hear the word of God, it is not to be a passive event. The word of God is living and it's active. When you hear the word of God, you, you should receive the word of God and allow it to produce the fruit that God desires to produce in your life. You know, same, similar to the salt. Jesus said, if the salt is not salty, if it's lost, it's saltiness, it's useless. It's useless. And so for us, it tells us that 
You, you, you cannot have faith in Christ and not have fruit. If you have faith in Christ and you're not producing fruit in your life from, from what you hear in the preaching and teaching, that is contrary to being a Christian. And the same is if you do not trust in Christ, you can't produce fruit. <laughs> you, 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 you can't live a fruitful life. But you, you must trust in Christ. Trusting in Christ always brings fruits. So it's better to trust in Christ. Amen. I just want to read something about because this this is a tough passage. Uh, Stuart uh, Olot, I think that's how he said his name. He said this. Quote, if we think the language of verses four and five is too strong to use of unregenerate people. He says it is because we have not understood an important strand of biblical teaching. We have not grasped how far someone may go and yet still turn out to be a counterfeit believer. End quote. People will go to great depths to deceive you. To deceive themselves. And and the, the interesting thing about this is that these individuals may may have gone to church and they thought they, they may have thought they were saved. They 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 may have convinced themselves that they were saved. And so we need to hear warnings like this. We we need to, to warn ourselves to warn ourselves, we need to warn others who fall into this situation. Because in reality, there are unregenerate people in the church. There, there are unregenerate people in the church. There are sheep and goats, the scripture says. There's wheat and tares in the congregation. But here's the blessing. Listen to Ken Hughes. This is this is <laughs> listen to Ken Hughes. He says this. This is the blessing. Whether there's sheep or goats in this congregation. Listen to the listen to the the, the, the blessing described by Ken Hughes. He says this. The fact is, the life giving rain of God's grace falls on all of us. <laughs> it falls on all of us in the worshiping community. And if we and if we allow it to bring forth fruit, we will be blessed. If not. There's only a curse, he says, end quote. So so our prayer should be. We shouldn't go around fruit inspecting. We should be praying for everyone who comes into this building to hear the word of God. Pray that God will grant everyone a fruitful life. Pray that God will grant everyone who is not saved. He will grant them salvation. You say, listen, I'm speaking to the children. You may be saying, how do I know I'm saved? How, how do I know I'm saved? I've been hearing the preaching. I've been hearing the teaching. And one of the ways you know you're saved is that you hear and this is this is how it was for me. I heard the word of God. And as I was hearing it, there was something going on in my heart. I, there, there was there was something going on in my heart that 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 I understood that what I was hearing was true. I understood that I was a sin. I understood that that made sense to me. And I understood that Christ was the savior. 
and 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 having that work going on in my heart, I responded to that. I responded to what God was doing in my heart. I didn't I didn't hide it. I, I didn't I didn't say it. You know, I didn't I wasn't ashamed of it. I responded to it. And, and that is the, the 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 start of nobody can see that work going on in your heart. Nobody can see it. You know it. Nobody can see it. That's what Jesus was te- teaching Nicodemus. But the, the, he says the wind blows w- w- wherever it blows. You, you can't see it coming. You can't see it going. All you can do is see. All you know is that it's, it's blowing. It's the same with the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you can't see it, but you all you know is that is that when it works, there's a response in the heart. And so that's that's my prayer. Is that for all of us, whether you're saved or not saved, if you're experiencing the spiritual privilege of being in the church and hearing the word, I pray that God's word will will do a work in your heart. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father. It is too easy. It is too easy to be passive. It is too easy to to sit upon your word, whether it's preached, whether it's taught, whether it's read, to, to be passive in hearing your word. Even us as believers, we can treat your word as if it's common. It, as if as if it's uh, I, I got this. I know this. It, this doesn't need uh, this doesn't uh, I, I understand it. What a shame that is when it's your word, when it's it's the word of God. And we think that that we can have a grasp of your 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 word, your holy word. Think that we can figure out the, the mind of, of, of your mind. Think that we got a that we will never have a, a, a grasp. Uh, of 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 who you are and 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 your and your holy word in this life, we will always be at a point of of seeing that there's more to know from your word. There's more to know from passages like John three sixteen. There have been people who have preached on this passage from since the since the beginning of the church. And Father, we have. And all of those who have preached and taught on that passage have not exhausted the wisdom in your word. Because it is your word, the infinite, the word of the infinite God. So so may we never get to a point that where we are, we sit passively under your word. May we, like one, one author said that we, we should sit under the word and whenever the word is being preached and it is being taught, that we should be sitting there as if we're hearing it for the first time. And then, Father, when we hear your word, may we bring ourselves under that word. May we subject ourselves to that word. That word that is living and active and sharpening any two-edged sword that discerns the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. May we submit to it. And when it exposes our sin, may we repent of our sin. 
when it reveals to us the joy and, and the peace uh, and, and the happiness uh, that, that, that we have in Christ, may we experience that as a reality in our lives. May we never be passive. May we respond always. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.